0: Good evening. It's my turn to talk. Be quiet. Good evening and welcome to the Obelisk. Tonight's guest is Robert Powell. Robert is a traditional astrologer, hermeticist, geomancer, Greek philosopher, ISM priest, and magus. He's been podcasting since 2010 and he runs the Logos of Sophia on... I can't read the rest of that damn thing. God damn you, YouTube. On YouTube. He wrote Jesus. He runs the Logos of Ophio on YouTube. Robert, welcome to the show. I'm sorry for screwing up your uh, your intro.
1: It's perfectly okay because I kind of screwed up myself, so.
0: Yeah, there's like an extra word in there. That's what screwed me up.
1: Yeah, like I butcher it myself, so you have nothing to worry about. Like, there's people that can quote my videos better than me, and that's, it's it's, it's an amazing gift (laughs) because I can't do it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, we're certainly happy to have you back. You're a, a good friend of the show, and uh, it's an interesting the way this lined up because all this astrology is going on, and you are an old school astrologer. So, what what are you seeing with all this? Now, also, what is the difference in the astrology you do astrology you do from say tropical? I
1: um, if I had to go into it, it's the interpretation. Like you have things in. Now I was actually looking at today's chart. It was it was kind of funny because you have the Moon in rulership, and then um, I'm trying to remember here. I have to pull up my chart. I don't feel like looking at it right now. But it's like Libra is really feeling it today because you have the Sun making Mars combust and then you have mercury retrograde in libra and i'm like man like poor libra like that that's a really bad state to be in right now but oh, yeah. um like uh but yeah i i, I do uh, traditional astrology now uh, my main focus is electional uh getting ready to go deeper in horary um but it's mainly like pre-1800 astrology um it focuses on primarily the seven planets. You will find some Islamic influences in there that you won't find in a lot of uh, modern Western astrology. Uh, like, for example, the one thing that modern astrology doesn't have is, is uh, co- combustion, meaning if a planet is within 8.5 degrees of the sun, that that planet is extremely weakened. And then you have like these little nuances. You can include mansions in there, like everybody has a has a, uh, a ruling mansion that helps determine some things in their chart. Uh, there's Via Combustia, which the 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 I would say the degrees kind of vary, like in in between 15 degrees Libra to 15 degrees Scorpio, roughly. Or uh, different astrologers place it in different places, but it's generally in the tail of Scorpio roughly. So uh, there's some stuff going on there and Via Combustia, as the Picatrix says, is just really bad time. So uh, I guess you can say that you have a lot of these nuances, um, especially different things you would look in a chart. Like there's a point system in the chart. Like if a planet is dignified, it gets five points. If it's exalted, it gets four. And etc. So um, those are some key differences. differences. Like you have less objects to look at, which is a lot easier. So it makes the chart easier to read. But at the same time, you also have these other aspects that you learn to pick up as you go on. And um, uh, like I said, my favorite thing is actually electional astrology, uh, which is like picking a right time by the cosmos to do things and um going by, by the great chain of being like that, that i think that's an awesome way to go a horary is is once again i'm i'm working on it but electional i think is my favorite and electional isn't like really popular uh in modern astrology so much anymore now it's like natal astrology and then people look at transits and etc
2: so in your journey through the astrological realms, what, what is it that has you settled on this? And another question here, I'm just going to piggyback right on. You and I have talked in the past about uh, the ancients and how they view, view the astrology and the stuff that's going on in the visible sky above, as you were just putting forward, and how things like eclipses are a very bad sign to the ancients and like in the Hellenistic uh, viewpoint and all that. What you got to say there?
1: Um, when it comes down to this, um, uh, there is a certain force, um, or I should say, intelligences. And th- th- the primary difference with traditional astrology to modern astrology is. Traditional astrology is very spiritual, like we see intelligences and spirits. Um, We don't try to devalue a lot of these things to just mere energy. Uh, We see them as as living conscious things. Uh, Like Marsilio Ficino and other Neoplatonists, especially Plotinus, describes this very well, that it's not necessarily the planets that are influencing, but it's the world's soul, which the planets function in. Uh, and this kind of goes with the fixed stars as well, with the whole cosmos is that although these stars are a great distance apart, that they are unified in, in the uh, um, anima mundi or the world's soul. So all the way from the throne of God, all the way to earth, we have this kind of order that's already established. Um, the music of the spheres that, Pythagoras talks about and it's very interesting because in a way this explains not just reality but the world in a way to where even the most chaotic situations are actually very orderly. Um, uh, Shakespeare writes about this. I, for, I forget the play but it's in William um, E.M.W. Tilliard's Elizabethan World Picture uh, there's this king who dies and rather than yes people were grieving over it but they were looking for the cause and, and he blamed Mars so in a sense although there was chaos and what we view as chaos there's, there's still order and we could see it in the the spheres and there's something very special about that especially once we like consider olympic spirits or archangels and different hierarchies uh through the chain of being and that's where astrology really comes important especially in the neoplatonic aspect in the chain of being because it's the mediary between if god and the theological heavens and earth, and it's where the world soul begins to separate itself and start to disperse into what's known as rays. And and these rays, they um, through the world soul manifest, and and it's and it all makes sense. Like it's really deep. It's really philosophical. It's not just reading a chart. Um, for a while when i started i focused on modern astrology but the issue that i came up with is how do the planets, how do the planets manifest like like they're just balls in the sky you know what i mean and it, so i was asking why so when i was looking at sources before 1800 and then i actually started exploring traditional astrology by no means, I'm, I'm an expert on this. Uh, I'm gonna make that quite clear, but I am traditional in my astrology. And when I saw that, it explained why the planets had power. It explained this um, chain of being. And, and in shorthand, the chain of being goes from like, the throne of God to the angels, to the uh, fixed stars, to the planets, to the elements, to man, to beast, to uh, plants, to minerals, etc. So, when we apply the astrology in there, it makes a lot of stuff make sense. And what really sold me on it was William Lilly. William, William Lilly predicted the um, Great Fires of London in 1666, twelve years prior just as he, bre- he also predicted the great plague the six month- that happened six months afterwards too, 12 years prior in 1666. It was really William Lilly who sold me in on traditional astrology after I started seeing a lot of the weaknesses in uh, modern astrology. In a modern astrology, I-, I think, yes, we've discovered um, extra planets. But the issue is that I take with it is we've been studying these other seven planets for thousands of years. Like every culture has a science behind them um, that's comprehensible, but we've only had these extra three planets and their intelligences for, for not very long. And most people derive the meaning from the names that materialist scientists gave them. Like a lot of these scientists aren't. Into spirituality, they aren't into the spirituality of the sky. Uh, they they're materialists. So, for for example, Neptune, people automatically associate that with water, and so I don't think we can find really any true virtues based on the current system. So, I think that traditional astrology holds. Uh, steadfast in its position. The rules are pretty much set there, which is really good. And it explains the world, even in its worst times, if that makes any sense.
2: Yes, it does to me. I'm wondering with the correspondence going on here, how do we work the animal kingdom into all
1: this? Um, we do it via sympathies. Uh, Agrippa actually lays this out very well, and this is taken from Aristotle's work. Uh, firstly, we have the, the chain of being, which is from three pri- primary people, um, from Plato's Timaeus, and it's also from Aristotle in his works on animals and how he uh, organized the animals in a natural kingdom. And then if you include the nine orders of the angels and et cetera, it'd be Dionysus. So what we have here, especially with animals and stuff, like if we look at the Zodiac, uh, scorpions used to be a problem. So you would expel scorpions using Scorpio or you could predict uh, cow disease uh, by looking into Taurus and, and all of that. Or maybe something's going on with the fish. You would look in Pisces. And then you would also look into like the ruling, um, animals in the planets as well. So, uh, when we look at animals in all of this, um, list of correspondences for various reasons, uh, some of them, like for example, a cat can have, uh, multiple planetary rulerships. So, uh, it, it's all really about rules of, of sympathies. And, um, I would recommend Marsilio Ficino for that, Cornelius Agrippa, and even Albi Rooney uh, as well. They are great sources for a lot of these sympathies um, in the modern world that we're in and also the natural world and a natural philosophy such as stones and animals and everything and those are all linked to the great chain of being. So when we read a grimoire from the Renaissance, for example, they actually use this you know take, sometimes they'll say take a blood of this take the blood of this animal get this stone uh get this herb grind it together etc it's because and you're supposed to do this at the right time because you're aligning like those specific um ingredients in line with the astrology and in tune with the great chain of being does that make sense
2: Yes, it certainly does. I'm wondering how, with all the, the with that correspondence, how the ancients viewed all this as far as are through the lens of superstition, because I know that's at play.
1: Um, it, it can be. Um, like I said, it, it sometimes like you'd have to make clear what you mean by superstition, like, um. And well, how it's- omens,
2: omens and portents and all this kind of stuff with uh, auspicious movements and that they were viewing in the sky above. And I'd mentioned uh, eclipses earlier, but certainly other events that were equally as rare.
1: Ah uh, yeah. Well, when it comes down to um, uh, superstitions and things that these cultures used, Um, Once again, like, when we look at different rulerships of different countries, they're ruled by different signs as well, which eventually trickle down to planets, too. Um, But yeah, they definitely play a part. Um, I'm not an anthropologist or anything, but um, every place is a little different. It has its own environment. It has its own people, its own language, uh, its own religions, and uh, it's its its own animals etc and yeah uh, it's kind of hard to like my focus is mainly western so I can't really diverse too far away from that but what I can say is this is that yes those do play uh, a major part to some extent and 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 yeah that's A boring answer but it's a true answer
2: so when we look at modern time modern time superstitions around celestial events what do you have in regards to all that especially since you've been on such a long spiritual journey for ages that's taken you full circle so you have a well rounded idea of of i think possibly what i may be getting at
1: well, for our modern world, uh, when we look at, and, and here's the thing with predicting events with modern astrology. Um, so yeah, we're take so, and let's just say it's a materialistic, energetic view most of the time. So, with this in mind, when we're looking at events, it, it's interesting because w- with the interpretation, and in astrology i mean it's coming out with new rules all the time uh, with it and also people are mixing different kinds of astrology now so uh i find that really really interesting um once again uh it, it may not be a perfect answer but applying just the energy model and all that like i could see where people get their conclusions um, I don't know how accurate they would be all the time. So I'm really careful on astrological sources. But I could see where they're coming from using the energy model and uh, and just looking at the planets as if they just contain those powers without looking deeper, without looking into the chain of being. But um, yeah, so when it comes to that, like I could see where people are coming from. But at the same time, with the way that this modern astrology is is constructed uh, just strictly to be psychological, it, it makes it hard to predict events because psychology has pretty much overran astrology for the most part, like it really has, like that. that's what makes traditional astrology different is because it focused less on the psychology and it's like, What's going to happen? So, for example, if we if we look at horror astrology, am I going to get robbed on my journey? Is it going to be this? Is it, is it going to be that? Or what's going to? And, and fate was a big thing too, which is different because you would look in the eighth house to see if you going to die or how you's going to die. Um, so there, were, I think that the difference was was that worldview. But I could see where people get that today. Um, and i took a big step out of modern astrology because it was so overpsychologized that it really took away the essence of what is astrology when we look through western sources and and yeah of course this is it, it kind of builds up a system on itself with with the psychology and with the whole energy model sort of combined uh, but at the same time when i look at the traditional view; it's it, the the modern astrology, in my my opinion, just falls short of what astrology was and what it was meant to be.
2: So, when we look at the astrology of the day right now, where there's a lot of big movements happening, uh, and with all the crazy going on in the world around us, do you see anything that? What do you see looking forward, say, maybe through October, through Samhain?
1: Sorry about that. My phone was acting crazy. Um, I haven't looked that far ahead yet. Uh, I Well, I have a habit of just looking through the day to see how it's going to go. But so far, um, the, the stars have been actually kind of rough, like right now both the sun and Mercury are in fall. And with the way they're aligned right now, uh, right. and the good thing is there's a lot of trines going on right now. So it it actually could be far worse. I just can't can't wait for the retrogrades to be over, to be honest. But once those retrogrades um, progress and become squares, then I'll think we have a real issue in our hands. Uh, for example, with the way Saturn has been placed, like uh, Saturn is in rulership and it's retrograde, <laughs> so <laughs> so you have a bit of an issue there, especially with with death, disease, and, and with um, uh, Jupiter being in retrograde. You have loss of wealth. You have loss of authority. Uh, you have people in positions that are struggling as of right now. And uh, and it's going to be difficult because Jupiter takes a, around one year to move through one sign.
2: Yes. So,
1: yeah, it's, it, it's going to be a rough one for a while, um, for, for a very long time. So even in uh, astrological magic, like you really don't have a chance to do that many talismans throughout the year. So you're kind of looking for the best elections throughout the whole year to get them done. You may have sometimes five, if you're, 10, 20, who knows? It depends on the skies. But it, it's going to be rough for a while, especially when we uh, look at where Saturn is and and we look how the trajectory is going for a little bit i haven't looked that far ahead because like i said i take it day by day you know what i mean
2: it yeah i do and i don't i'm not i'm not crazy with the astrology uh i don't look uh, in fact i've actually gone great periods of time without looking and then then i'll do like a sit down and kind of chart out several months to a year for the big points in my my chart personally, but lately I've been noticing and I haven't I haven't popped in. I just know that several planets are having a retrograde and I've got Robert Phoenix coming on uh on another show to talk to break that all down on Friday. But it seems par for the course right now that we would have some very unsettling astrological signatures going on, considering how tumultuous the outer world is at this time
1: oh i agree um a few years ago i'll never forget jupiter was well dignified i think that was in 2018 like jupiter was just killing it during that year but just like the cosmos you know macrocosm microcosm um everything has its cycles and right now I can't say we're in the worst cycle but because you're never gonna have perfect skies but we just are in a great cycle right now and I just once again boring answer it's just kind of how things are it is what it is and that's how I started to take on my life it is what it is you know and um, I kind of like what Agrippa says and Agrippa has this interesting quote in the three books of occult philosophies pertaining to this to some extent. He says that men are responsible for their actions. However, that's why it's important to look at the stars because the stars do influence us. But when you know what, how the stars can influence us during the time, you are least likely to be prone to their influence and that's kind of the point of Hermeticism, too, or Hermetism is to ascend uh, through each of the planets and, and their vices, and um, eventually to get past them to actually uh, get to the one or the monad. And, and, and I take that when I look at the astrology, it kind of prepares me for the day. So things, things are bad, you know, but everything has its cycles.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that's a good message for people to uh, take in when we're looking at hard patches in the road is everything is cyclical and uh, there is, you know, it's it's the great wheel. As it goes up, it goes down. And apparently, you know, we're scratching the ground here. But I just wanted to get your take on all that from your specific point of view. Other than that, though, how are you, Robert?
1: I'm doing pretty good, actually. Um, you know, um, one thing that that I've been taking in and finding is most important is just having an orderly life. Yeah, uh, spontaneity is necessary at times, but you can't get much done without an orderly life. doesn't matter what you want to do. If you want to, um, uh, for example, advance in your job, or if you want to, um, focus on your family or even focus on your spirituality, focus on your religion. You really can't do that without a steady life. And yeah, uh, if you're spontaneous all the time, you know, and you're always out doing stuff like literally living like that, like bounce them from place to place to place, idea, idea to idea without any sort of grounding. Uh, it's difficult. And over these past few years, I've been pretty steady and, y- you know, life throws stuff at you. Uh, you know, like it's been hard to get privacy at all. Like I would say the past year and a half. So it's slowed down to content quite a bit, but um, after, I kind of evicted people out of my life. Like things have just been better and I've been getting more done and, and it's just been really, really good. And, and, and it feels refreshing to get back on my feet, running and, um, and to, I don't know, I, I just value my privacy a lot. It's that natural hermit.
2: Oh yeah, that's a, it's a big deal. Are you enjoying any pop culture stuff right now? Any shows that are running anything juicy in that front?
1: Yeah. One thing a lot of people don't know about me is I have this weird, like, dualism. Like, uh, even though I'm not Catholic, I like to to watch EWTN for the mass. Even if it's Novus Ordo, I still think it's beautiful. But then the next minute, you'll see me going on Netflix and turning on horror films. I, I'm obsessed with horror films, uh, and and I'm surprised because in the '90s there were some okay horror films. Um, I'm watching this vampire show right now called Van Helsing about this woman who can turn vampires back to uh, regular people, and it's so so damn cool. It has a it has a cool story, uh, a cool plot line. Um, yeah, it. It, uh, horror films and shows are have just always been my thing like that not not just during halloween for you know so most of the time uh that's what i like to watch i imagine mm. that i freak out my neighbors because they hear a woman screaming <laughs> on the <television. laughs>
0: you should uh check out that netflix the new netflix show called midnight mass
1: I saw that. I I finished all the way through. Oh, that okay. was trippy film. Yeah, that was that was really trippy, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't the... want to spoil it for anyone, but it was trippy.
0: It combines, you know, your whole Catholic mass thing with the whole vampire thing.
1: Yeah, that priest is pretty demented. I don't know how far <laughs> people are into it. That is one messed up priest. Like,
0: <laughs>
1: like, like, like the whole ending i i don't want to say what they were but yeah uh netflix has, has been my thing lately i'm surprised with how good like the horror movies are compared to what they've been in the 90s like writing for horror has gotten better i can't explain it
0: yeah it's not bad did you see the squid game
1: no netflix. i Netflix.
0: yeah check that out that's oh uh it's dark but it's interesting and it's it's i would consider it horror
2: give us a breakdown on that jare
0: so it's an eight eight part series i think you know netflix series <clears throat> it's korean it's dubbed there's also you know the korean with subtitles um this guy who's a total loser and a scam not a scam artist per se but he's He's still living with his mom. He's in his 40s. He owes money all over town. Kind of like uh, Bunny Lebowski. And it was a joke. Dude. Oh, it was a tough crowd tonight. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> tough crowd. <laughs> no I was just
1: listening so intently.
0: <laughs> so I don't want to ruin it, but I'm going to spoil it a tiny bit. Uh, he he owes money to like he, he's he's a uh, gambler, degenerate gambler. He owes money to some bookies. Blah blah blah. Uh, he comes into some money and he loses. He gets he gets pickpocketed and loses it. And he's just down on his luck and he's in the subway and some guy approaches him and offers for him to play. You know, come play this game and you can win a lot of money. So, uh, and he gets this card with a triangle, a circle, and a square on it, and a phone number on the back. Then the guy gives him that card, and the guy takes off. He he calls a number, and they say, be at this place at this time. And they pick him up in a van with these other people, and then the van gasses them and puts them to sleep. Oh. And they all wake up, these people plus another, there were 456 people, in this giant dorm room and where these guys come in with masks. No one knows who they are, whatever, and explains to them that they're going to play six games. And every time someone's eliminated, the prize pool goes up by 100 million won, which is a Korean dollar. And the final Whoever lasts through all the six games wins 456 bill, million, 456, 45.6 billion won, which is approximately $36 million or $38 million. And, and so that's, that's the setup for it. They play the first game, and this is on the first episode, and the first game is, and they're all, all the games are kids' games throughout the whole show. So the first game they play is red light, green light. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, Hmm. Wow. I'm
2: excited about it already.
1: That sounds good. Actually, Keep going.
0: So, so <clears throat> they walk out into this courtyard and they're all in these jumpsuits. They're all, everyone's in the same clothes, but they have a different number. And, um, the guy, the main character, his name is, uh, he gone. He he gone. I forget his name. It was a Korean name. Uh, he, he's 450. He's the last the last entrant. He's 456. So they play red light, green light. They go out there. They the rule they explain the rules twice. And there's this giant girl, like a girl doll, but it's you know fifty feet tall. And the head's looking at them. And, you know, they're all facing this thing. And there's a line in front of this where you have to reach this line to to win, right? So the head turns around and it says green light (laughs) and people start. Oh, sorry. The rules for the game were, were, you know, when we say green light, you can move. When it says red light, you can't move or you're eliminated. So green light, people start running forward and... The head turns back around, and says red light, and people stop. And there was one guy who didn't stop quite right at that point, and he gets shot dead.
2: <laughs> I've seen these commercials now. I yeah. thought it sounded familiar. It looks really good.
0: It's it's I'm, really dark. But then I'm glad people start know the
2: name of it now.
0: People start tripping, they're freaking out, they scream and are running back towards the door, and they're all get shot. <laughs> because they were moving. Um. Yeah, they were moving. It was still a red light. So that's basically the setup. I think they lose 250 people on the first game.
1: Oh,
2: my God. And yeah. so is it overdubbed oh, at oh. all or is it just subtitled? Yeah, it's dubbed. Oh,
1: cool.
0: It's dubbed pretty well, too.
2: I've got that and Midnight Mass on my list here, you guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. There's, uh, there's this other film called Truth or Dare. I'm not talking about the one that was released in big theaters but there was a smaller indie film also called Truth or Dare and I forget this actress that was in there. She's a blonde. Her name is I think Cameron but it's the basic premise, Truth or Dare but people end up dying and getting stabbed and shit like, I'm sorry, that's interesting. (laughs) It's, It's stupid because I don't see why anyone would participate in a game like that unless... You know, there's certain pressures, but it's still entertaining, although it's stupid. Like, horror movies would suck if the characters were actually really smart.
2: Yeah, well, there wouldn't be much of a horror. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it, lot of it is is exposing uh, human insecurities through uh, poor choices. It's a good psychological study, in my opinion. On this, Anyways. I... Jay-
0: that oh, sorry, actor, Jared, go on. That's okay. The actress is Lucy Hale.
2: The blonde?
0: I believe so. 2018
2: film? Robert?
1: Uh, I think so. Oh. Uh, 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 it, there's a blonde girl. She's a scream queen. <laughs>
0: um, hey. This was the only blonde I saw.
1: <laughs> yeah, her name is Cameron something. Uh, I forget what it was. Like I was excited I forget her name. I feel terrible because you followed me and said hi on Twitter. And she ended up like directing all these mo- movies and stuff. But
2: I bet you were excited. I know you love a blonde.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you can't beat it. <laughs> oh man, like Lucy <laughs> Hale. Oh, Lucy Hale. Well no, it's not uh it's not her. Let me let me Google this.
2: While you all are figuring that out, JJ oh, got oh, me oh. on too.
0: Uh Violet Bean is her name. Her character's name was Marky Cameron.
2: I love uh, it Violet.
0: Is that what you said? Cameron was her name. Uh,
1: I'm gonna double check here. You got me googling this now. Do it.
0: So uh.
2: why, uh, why you all are doing that? JJ got me hooked on a show. Of course, it doesn't take much if Adrian Brody's in it. I have had a hot oh, crush Chapel on him 8. from. Day 1 yeah Chapel White is so good. Now I do have a couple grievances with some of the um hit period stuff in there because I'm terrible like that and they have there there's some very t- poor oversights in that like there's a a scene with dolls and they have a, a scene that's supposed to be set in like the 17 17- 80s or 90s and those are very specific dolls from that period and they didn't have one from that period and they went so and I could forgive that but they went so far as to have a 1920s boudoir doll which I love I love them but they you know it was so off and I was like oh my god seriously little details like that will drive me crazy however and the house itself doesn't is not from the house is a high gothic victorian you know, mid 1800s and they push it back that it's, a, you know, goes back older than that. I can forgive all that because Adrian and the girl from 12 Monkeys that played Jennifer Goins, I love her and the acting is superior. The plot line is really good. It's definitely it's about vampires and uh, it's pretty damn juicy. So I'm enjoying it.
0: What show is that?
2: Uh, uh, Chapel White.
0: Oh, it's got vampires
2: in it? It is a vampire situation, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's juicy. And uh, I think it's it's an ongoing series. So I'm on C- episode six. So I think it's right. epi- up to episode eight is up, out, I think.
1: Well, that whole Victorian thing, it's interesting because uh, the whole Victorian look, people, especially when you watch The Witcher, like there's some Victorian aspects to his vest and stuff. And, and and I do like the Victorian aesthetic, but they do they do make it seem older than what well, it really. You can't
2: you can't if you're going to be period. I think you need to commit to the period and not. This is what was so wrong with that Salem show. It was so terrible. I couldn't get through it because they
0: the, the which one.
2: Yeah, they oh, had. god, it was horrible. Oh, it was terrible. But it was terrible because they were mixing too many periods of time. And so they'd have all the appropriate stuff with all the background people and the proper housing and stuff. And then the main characters would be in like high Victorian 1880s, even Victorian, like late Victorian garb. And I I couldn't forgive it. I could not forgive it. It was one terrible detail after another. And so if you're going to.
1: That's
0: what happens when you write woke shit.
1: Oh, oh, I'll take God. it if they put Jack the Ripper in there, it matches the time, you know. Yeah, but <laughs> they'll probably make
0: it, you know, a transgender person or something. It, oh my
2: God! Well, that like on that like where they did the Merlin series and Merlin, I, oh. I, I couldn't, you know, uh, it's this is this is a big this is a hot topic because this is a. This is a Saxony. This is a Pictish. This is a white people narrative. And I'm sorry, it's just the truth. There was no black Merlin and it's, 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 if it's comes out and it's trying to be serious about historical accuracy, I expect that if it's coming out and it's being whimsical or it's messing with historical accuracy, then okay this one really tried to be serious and the acting was really good these actors were beautiful but Merlin is not historically a pock and it was it was kind of bothersome and so you have people now you know that believe that narrative and it's going to further muddy the waters historically i had the same problem with like liz taylor playing cleopatra as much as i love her she looks nothing like uh what an egyptian woman of that period would look like that would have been better served with dorothy dandridge or someone like that so those are those are issues for me and i really try to get off my high horse with that but it it does bother me and then we see how murky it gets with historical stuff when people start you know, that is an appropriate, how's that not an appropriation? And uh, when there's plenty of great pock, amazing queens and kings and pharaohs and stuff out there in the world, and that's why I brought up Liz Taylor is playing Cleopatra. So this is a form of appropriation and it's okay on that one. It's okay if If pox are doing it, but if whites are doing it, it's not okay. And I'm not trying to go into a race thing. I'm just talking about historical accuracy when you're presenting historical accurate shit.
1: Oh, yeah, I feel you on that. Um, Like I said, I I, I only take movies and films half-heartedly on when it comes to historical accuracy. I I gave up on that a long time ago. You know, I wish just, I could.
2: Well, I, that's what I'm saying, Robert. I wish I could loosen myself. I can because with Chapel White, there are a lot of small yeah. discrepancies that I'm just like, okay, overall this is really fabulous. I love it. We're looking kind of Salem's Lottie here, and uh, and it's juicy. It's just juicy. But like the one I mentioned earlier, not Mer- not Merlin, but the one Jerry also agreed was terrible. Uh, the Salem one, you know, that was just unforgivable. I couldn't even get through it.
1: Oh, I feel you. Oh, by the way, I'm not dismissing it. I apologize. I I found it. Jessica Cameron. They released an earlier film in 2013. That's really good.
2: Oh, I Jessica, know who she is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Jessica Cameron. She made Truth or Dare. Like she's she makes really good films, and I like her version of Truth or Dare.
2: It's funny because Madonna had that documentary from her tour, Truth or Dare, and that's the very first thing I thought of. I'm like, what's this?
0: Yeah. Was that that really popular album of hers?
2: Uh, well, which, which one, Jerry? She had like she had 10, one. She 10 had... popular albums.
0: Oh, man. She had one that I just fucking loved. I listened to it nonstop.
2: Give us, sing us a song here, child.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, <sing> it. <laughs> Use your best. I'm trying, I'm trying to voice. remember
0: one of the songs on it something candy something girl candy sunshine girl i remember that, that
2: oh i think that was on the frozen album wasn't it
0: frozen like the
2: electric candy girl or something i know which one you're talking about that's the one with uh that was like out in 1999 or yes hmm
0: Madonna albums.
2: Oh, Ray of Light. That's Ray of Ray Light. Of Light Ray
0: of Light. Ray of Light. Yeah, that was a that was a fantastic album. That that's was like... a great
2: album. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a really great album. Frozen's a good album. She was really good in that period of time. I think that was her best.
1: Yeah, period. yeah. It was... oh, from the eighties to the nineties. Yeah, I
0: could see that.
2: Well, she's not even Madonna anymore. It's so hard to look at her. I'm
0: like, <laughs> no, I don't what know what she... she's some kind on. of beast. <laughs>
2: she's turned into a crazy beast. It is unbelievable.
1: It's I know. Amazing. I. My friend showed me a picture like uh, and they expected me to know who it was and I just saw these <laughs> clips and stuff I'm like who is that? They said that's Madonna. And they swore it looked like her but I'm like no, that don't look like her. No.
2: No, <laughs> no. Madonna, if you look at a picture of Madonna with when she had a square jawline because she no longer has that jawline and her eyes were different like she is not the same Madonna. Uh, no. you, to me when you see candid shots of her now not the airbrushed and all the Instagram filters she looks like Joan Rivers
1: <laughs> oh it's like the Goo Goo Dolls singer he doesn't look the same at all like you could tell he's he's went under the knife to try to look younger and it's
2: it is freaky isn't it there's something kind of circusy about it though in, a, in, in that <laughs> way
0: clown like candy perfume girl is the name of the song.
1: Hello. Where
0: have you gone? What happened?
1: And in there, Hello? but one of my favorite shows is actually a, a Merlin movie, not not a series, but it's the Excalibur. Sam. Uh No, the Sam Neil version from 1998. It's three hours long, and it it it's a little bit loose, but it still follows a lot of the Merlin historical Merlin myth. and Sam Neill out of Jurassic park plays Merlin. And, and then there's some humor in there as well. That's kind of modern. I'm going to uh, have
2: to check that out.
1: Oh, it's so beautiful. What movie is that? Uh, Merlin from 1998. You can find it for free on YouTube TV show or a movie. It's a movie. It's three hours long, but it's really good. It, uh, focuses on how the pagan ways are dying and as they're dying uh, queen mab wants to save her religion and apparently she's been neglecting her religion for a long time because people call out to her and she just didn't listen but uh, she creates merlin and uh, this woman has merlin and he has no mortal father so eventually uh his mother i won't spoil the whole thing i'll just go over the basis but uh his mother dies at birth and uh her caretaker raises merlin um and she's kind of like that uh, stern aunt that you have you know what i mean you love her to mm-hmm. death but she'll <laughs> tell you like it is so don't fuck with her <laughs> yeah she raises and she speaks up to Queen Mab in the beginning and everything. And uh, it's a beautiful film because eventually Merlin, you'll find out in his heart, he doesn't like magic. Like he doesn't, like he just wants to live a happy life.
2: Oh, interesting. That's an yeah. interesting twist.
1: So Our, I, the,
0: the, go on. No, no, no. I was going to.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, like you find he doesn't like Christianity either. So he's kind of, nihilistic towards religion and then um once again the the mythologies are, are a little mixed up you'll find that in every arthurian you know a movie like Nimue and the lady of the lake are separate when they were the same uh but still i, I can forgive that but it's cool because it goes into his mythology although he was older in this film like he actually predicts why the tower is falling is because there's a cavern under the castle, like in actual um, myth and, uh, and the land is cursed. But it's really cool because it follows the timeline of the uh, original mythologies, but it's a beautiful movie. Like I like where he grabs the moon uh, to, uh, for his lover. And, uh, and he's like, and it's like a 2d moon. He grabs it and he's twirling it around his fingers and stuff. And then he closes its hand and it goes back in the sky. It's just really cool. It's a good film. It's not dated at all either. Beautiful story.
0: Cool. I'll check that out. I was going to say that um, I rather enjoyed Stanley Tucci as Merlin in the uh, Transformers movie. Is that, <laughs> is
2: that new, Jerry? No. Nah. Okay. Because uh, you lose me there. But I can't, when you, we talk Merlin, one of my favorites ever 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 movies it's in my top 100 list is excalibur i don't think that's been topped
0: personally did you guys see that guy Ritchie movie uh king arthur legend of the sword
2: yes i did
0: there's i haven't seen that merlin's in that it's
2: pretty good that's, it's, that's several years old now isn't it yeah Jerry? yeah it's like five years old. like a decade or, or something no
0: four or five years old
2: four or five okay yeah. time and me
0: Scott. But, I mean, I the ha- Go
2: how can you not recognize Excalibur? is
0: greatness. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, you know what else has some Arthurian stuff in it is the new the Hellboy reboot.
2: I haven't seen that, and it's a movie. Oh, I didn't
1: even—I didn't know that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, when was um,
0: that out? 2019.
2: Uh, oh shit. <laughs>
0: It's it's not that good. I I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. Um, David Harp. What's his name? David. I forget his name. I got the wrong web page here. Twenty nineteen film. David. David Harbor, the guy from uh, Stranger Things, the cop. Oh I, oh, I love
2: oh, yeah. I love Stranger
0: Things. He plays Hellboy.
2: Is that in a place where I can find it? It uh, can be. Oh, excellent. I love an Easter egg. So
0: uh, Mila Jovovich plays Nimway.
2: Okay, I'm already in. If Mila's <laughs> in there, I'm in.
0: And Ian McShane is Hellboy's dad. Ooh, Ian. Trevor Broom.
1: Mm-hmm. The casting sounds pretty good. Yeah. yeah
0: it's good it even has giants in it so
2: oh I'm I'm in that's gonna get on the list
0: so oh, really? we are
2: in we're in October here in just a couple days and this is the season for the horror stuff so are you looking forward to anything that may be coming out Robert
1: uh there's always two things in October that I enjoy one is my birthday and the other is Halloween like Halloween has always been my, my favorite holiday by default yeah the, the, I, air, the air is just different like i love could, easter
2: and halloween those are my two
1: yes uh, fall uh the only thing that sucks about halloween here where i live is because every time all but last year like over the past 10 years it snowed on halloween <laughs> and it kind of pissed me off <laughs> so um Ooh, I like that Halloween. does kind of
2: take the the witchiness out of it. You get more Yule with the snow.
1: I know, right? Um, so it's it's interesting because when it comes to Halloween, um, I don't know. Just the vibe is different. The colors you get those autumn colors. Didn't didn't you get that one time to where actually horror films and like fear, you know, you have a healthy fear of, in a holiday. You know, it's kind of like Krampus and and. You know, Yule, and, yeah, yeah, and Yule. And what's even more fascinating is that in October, I don't know how to describe the air. Uh, I, I, I would describe it like the Celts, like you could tell that the veil is just thinner and it's hard to describe. So, what I do is like I do an, a small ancestral rite, you know, to give thanks for my ancestors that I'm here. And then I have a beer and then I go out and get candy, you know, and it's I'm coming
2: uh, on over. I want candy.
1: Yeah. Candy does sound pretty good.
0: Oh, chocolate bar. I want candy. Yes.
2: I know a boy who's tough, but sweet.
1: October though is a special, special time. I love October. It's my favorite month, my favorite time of year. Uh, It's not too hot, not too cold. It's just right.
2: Yeah, I'm very excited. Well, and this particular October is more interesting than ever because of all the darkness going on.
1: It is. um, You know, I think that I've always had a very dark sense of humor. And that's been a both a positive and negative for me in the light in my YouTube videos, (laughs) you know, because I really like I mean, I like morbid jokes and it's just kind of how I am Um, because it's kind of a way to deal with the stress of the world when we look at the darkness in it and when we joke about it, it's kind of an acceptance of it. And October, especially Halloween, it kind of encompasses that in, in a really strange way. It helps us channel those uh, that, that side of us that we have to hide all year round. Unless you're a weirdo and you just don't hide it at all, you know, all year round. I, and I take part in that. I admit I'm a weirdo. I oh, watch that's all- right. You know, i watch watched movies, all, horror movies all year round. I'm not afraid of dark humor or any of that. And, and I like it. Like, there, there's just that feeling. And uh, in the air, once again, the whole thing is just different. It, it's, it's a stillness in a way. I wouldn't say it's exciting, but I also wouldn't say it's calmed. Uh, but there's a stillness, a, a spirituality to it, a time to kind of just accept things.
2: Do your dreams change at all when we get into this season?
1: Um, I wouldn't say that. I just, uh, I've always had weird dreams and very vivid lifelike dreams. Uh, we talked a little bit about that on Nox Mente a while back.
2: Well, that was uh, forever ago. That's years.
1: Yeah. Well, that still hasn't changed one bit. Like, on that, I don't know if I talked about this on Nox Mente or not but I I'll never forget. I swear to God, this was real. I can swear. This wasn't a dream. I didn't believe in, in you know, other dimensions that there were other different people that were you and dimensions until there was this time. I'll never forget. I, I, I still have memories. It's like, I lived a full life. I, I can tell you everything. Um, I had different parents I can actually argue my life was better and it's like it had its ups and downs and etc and then it's like that, that that dream it ended and if you want to call it a dream but it's like I woke up and I still had memories of the other life it was freaky like really freaky and then it's like a, a state of shock in a way. And then then you realize, oh, oh. And then it's like the memories here and this other dimension start to take place and fade back in. Like it was weird. That was one of the strangest experiences that I've ever had.
2: How old were you again for that?
1: It wasn't long ago, maybe four Four years ago, three years ago, something like that.
2: Oh, so probably around the time you were on Noxmente.
1: Yeah, probably it was. It was really weird. Like you know how, uh, like you could tell when a dream is a dream. Um, But when, but when you can recall memories and talk about your childhood, when you when you can talk about your favorite foods, your friends, uh, how well you did in school, and all that, like a totally different life. Like I think there's something deeper to it.
2: Do you, I'm kind of switching here a little bit, but because you do a lot of paranormal work in the field, is this a busy season for you?
1: Um, yeah, this is generally a, a busy season, but to, but, to, but to be square about everything, uh, the paranormal isn't as busy as a lot of professionals make it out to be. They just kind of overhype it. Um, but I, I do help out people I, all year round. It's, it's, it's about the same, I would say, you know, people, they get the occasional poltergeist or elemental in their house or something. And mainly it, I, I just find it's like elemental spirits or noisy spirits. Most of the time, there's been, um, a few cases to where it's been, uh, demonic, but not very often Um, but I wouldn't say that it's as busy as any other time because the paranormal is around all year round it's a lot more popularized understand that people may take it a little more serious during this time of year but at least for me and um, my buddy David he's a paranormal investigator too Uh, this this is his busy season um, but not much busier um, so it, it kind of varies. It's about the same for me.
2: So when you encounter some, so first of all, how do you know when something is actually a demon?
1: Uh, well, uh, first of all, there's Jerry, everything, Jerry, is,
0: everything got- is demons. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I wish like that would make life so much more thrilling, wouldn't it? Like, you would never have a boring day. COVID, demon. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: uh, You're uh, on to you
2: something right there.
1: Like, you lost your temper, demon. Your life sucks, demon. I wish you... Like, life would be so much more exotic. But um, how you could tell it's a demon is... First First of all, we have to make uh, a few categories here. And, and every paranormal investigator has their different categories. Um, the Warrens uh, had 10 categories, but... I would say mine. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, most of the time, there's just a poltergeist. Poltergeist, generally, is, it just means noisy spirit. It's noisy. You know, it'll move things. It'll do things like a lot. The majority of the time, that's what I get. And you know, a lot of times, it's just what I would call a, uh the fae. If you really want me to get down um to the spiritual terms the fey and uh, i don't think a lot of people that are secular magical practitioners or in the occult understand what the fey is like when we think of fey or fairy we think of tinkerbell a lot of times but the fey
2: mm, not 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 um, <laughs> yeah
1: they're, they're multi-varied and if amanda's even,
2: out there she could school us
1: <laughs> yeah e- e- and you have different um versions of these elementals in in germany and austria um i forget what it's called my friend told me about it um but there's this uh, little house gnome that like steals your shit like okay i, I gotta be honest here and, and mike if he's going to listen to this uh he, he can vouch for me the weirdest thing happened like with the little people, they like to steal shit. They like to move things. They like to make noises. Now, demons, for the most part, they can mimic human voices. Um, they they start to isolate people. They're a lot more malevolent in this way. But it's funny when we look at elementals and, and all of this. Some people psychologize elementals, but um, when we when we look at the Fae as an example, there I've had a few experiences, but I'll highlight two of them. Um. It was when I got out of the army. So it was probably 2009 or something like that. Uh, I go to pay my rent. Rent was, wasn't was too bad, like 400 bucks for me at the time. And I always had this weighted rock I would just use to put stuff on this huge rock about the size of a fist, put it on stuff. At the time, uh, my wife left. Um, the marriage was about to be annulled anyway. No one else was in the house. My landlord comes to get the rent. And I know I put the money there because I, I just put it there. And a minute later, they say, okay, I'm ready for the rent. I turn back to, in my house to grab the rent money. After a little conversation, the money's fucking gone. <laughs> it's fucking gone. $400, gone. Oh, man. Disappeared. And that's not even the end of it. I hate the little people sometimes. <laughs> okay, that's an over-exaggeration. I just The wee that.
2: ones. You better watch out because yeah. they're going to hear you.
1: Oh yeah. But, um, but the, they can be irritating. Um, it was last year. I think it was in, it was in February. No, it was this year in February. I had a pretty decent phone. So I had it with me. I was carrying it with me. I went into my friends who own this metaphysical shop here in town. And I swear after I get done talking to them and my roommate gets done walking in there separately because we kind of live our own lives. She walks into the shop. I walk out. I step out in my car, and my phone's not in my damn pocket. And I'm looking <laughs> for my phone everywhere. Like, <laughs> right, and there's snow there, and I'm like, "Are you sure your way?
2: ex-wife didn't? Are your soon-to-be an old wife didn't contract with the wee folk?"
1: No, she she was she was she wasn't very smart. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's probably why it didn't last. Sorry, to you?
1: This even gets, tri- this, this gets weird because I make it home and Google Maps, they'll, they'll trace where you go, right? And that scares some people. They don't bother me so much. Like, if they want to know what groceries I'm buying, I don't give a shit. So, so, and it helps if I do lose my phone, I'll be able to find my phone, right? So, I go home on my Google Maps and the last place that my phone was is where my car was, and I swear I checked that spot. I checked all around the block, and that was the last spot it was. I even showed that to the uh, to the to the shop owner, Mike. And I'm like, dude, look at this. It says it was right here. This was the last recorded spot, and it's just gone. Nobody, so nobody picked it up. And walked away with it that would have been traced no one turned so and, and even then the signal was on for a long time and it wasn't there
2: yeah that's so, classic it, we that's the classic we folks it
1: just, for sure yeah, it, it just disappeared and and my uh, teacher he always had the saying and i love it you'll find it in my twitter header no not no in my description and it's damn gnomes. He would. He had the same problem. <laughs> so now my Twitter header just says magus, Period. Damn gnomes. <laughs> they're kind of like my scapegoat for everything now.
2: Oh, you better watch out for that, Robert.
1: Yeah, they're kind of my ongoing joke. I love them.
2: They're gonna get you in the night. <laughs>
1: I even had this Greek talisman that was made in the 40s. It was beautiful. And, and it said Thessaloniki and it had all the bridges on it and everything. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I got it at the antique store. I swear to God, once again, this disappears. And I know exactly where I put it, just gone.
2: So, when I want to get back to demons because everything's yeah. demons. Uh, when you encounter a demon whatever the category is how do you go about getting rid of a demon
0: ah
1: that's interesting there's a lot of methods that i use uh obviously holy water i always carry holy water at least in my home i'm
2: i'm always packing with the holy water for real
1: yeah i got like two bibles i have one i put in my car for the psalms like the psalms are really powerful and there are certain verses not just in the psalms but throughout the bible that are just very useful The psalms are really powerful though uh god if you open up my trunk you'd think i was i was a fucking winchester
2: (laughs) Ooh, let's talk sexy now (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I, like, I have, I seriously have iron ties in the back of my car because, um, And
2: people don't know you have a hot rod too. You, you kind of have a Winchester vibe to you.
1: Yeah, I, I've been told that uh, I've been, I've been told that it's weird I, like for years, I didn't even know what supernatural was. And then I would just kind of describe what I do. It's like, Oh, like, dude, you know, like who the fuck is Dean? Like I'm just doing me. But, um, It was weird. I didn't know. Um, Like, if you look in the back of my car, like, I have a whole thing full of a blessed salt, holy water, um, iron, and all just all sorts of stuff. I keep my backpack in there. I have a crucifix. I mean, I got pretty much the whole shebang. Uh, I have my Roman Rite in there for exorcisms and uh, a lot of my spare stuff that I use. So when it comes so depending
2: to depending on the demon, like, let's talk about high order demon, Um, you know, like very difficult, intense, you know, high, like more of a king or something, mm-hmm. a, at least a, a prince or a duke, something high up.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, For something like that, um, there, there's a lot of strict rules there. Um, for example, it's good to go to a holy place. It's good to have your stuff memorized. Um, just like for any exorcism, go to confession, have your sins uh, forgiven by a priest. Because with the way that, um, like even when we read the New Testament, Christ passed his priesthood to um to his disciples he literally says go and forgive sins you know what i mean that's not metaphorical and so he, cre- he essentially did create his own priesthood
2: are we and, able to come to you since you're a priest now
1: yeah i i, I actually have people who do that oh i don't a serious note yeah oh wow. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry Robert. Uh, like, like people, they send me. Uh, there are different magical talismans and swords and wands, and, and they say, "Okay, you're a priest. Can you can can you use the mass that's mentioned in the Heptameron to the mass of the Holy Ghost to to make my items holy?"
2: I'm talking yeah. about confessions.
1: Yeah, but with confessions, yeah, um, yeah, I can very much. Uh, do that Um, but confessions are important because confessions are like a psychic link to demons in a way because demons um, like uh, for an actual possession it's very very rare probably like one in a million it's not very high um, to actually encounter one most of the time if it is a demon Most of my experiences with demons, I haven't had very many, but it's very, but they're very, but they're very, very lower level demons, like more like infestations. And, and it's not hard to get rid of them for the most part in that way. Um, But even then as an exorcist, you can only do so much if the person doesn't want to do so much to change their life. So think of sin like garbage. And think of the demon-like flies. Okay, so people will argue if sin is real or not real. I believe it's real. And most of the possessions and most of the spirits that I've seen that are negative with people come from their sins, come from their mishaps, come from their lack of regret, or come from a lifestyle choice that they've picked or a habit that they do or et cetera, and they can't get rid of them. And um, this causes a lot of issues. And it's like, I can can do this for you. I can get rid of this. But after you told me what's going on, this habit is always going to bring this and more. Like we can put up wards, that's fine. But eventually the castle walls are going to fall again. And you essentially have to make the choice on your own. And that's what it's like most of the time. Uh, sometimes it's just an infestation, but uh, when you're dealing with higher level stuff, that's why I have like my ceremonial tools, like like my wand, because uh, the wand, the crucifix, uh, especially the wand, it was used for thousands of years to call the power of the divine. And I, I would argue it's equally as powerful as the crucifix when we look to the historicity of it, the usage of it and everything else uh nowadays the wand is a meme and people think of harry potter but the wand is actually very very useful with demons with guiding divine energies and and to be honest it's good for a lot of spiritual matters with the little people it's actually good when you're dealing with entities
0: you know so
2: when you're so with this whole demon oh jerry go I,
0: see. I have a question from the peanut gallery mm-hmm. um someone wanted to know if you agree with marzinski that schizophrenia is really possession by demons
1: um that's kind of a tricky question uh i do think this i do think that demons can actually and spirits can prey on people with mental disorders I really feel that way, but it doesn't mean that every mental disorder is a demon. I don't think so, Yeah, but I do. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but I do think that people with schizophrenia in some cases, whether it's a self-created delusion, but I do think there are some cases to where spirits can mess with people with schizophrenia, like voices telling you to kill yourself and things like that, or telling to do terrible things to people, um, I would argue that could be demonic and, and it could create a really confused mixture of stuff, you know, whether it's self-created or a demon. So you, you'd have to decipher one from the other and that's, that'd be really
0: hard. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. What
2: about, so with, when you, when it gets to the point where you need to do an exorcism, how do you know the, when you're at that point?
1: Uh, there's a there's a few standard things that that you need first of all um mental health evaluation to look at um that's the very first thing if a doctor really can't point out to anything that it could be then that's a step forward in the process um and, and possession takes years years and years and years uh uh, and let's let's kind of clear up what possession is. Possession is not necessarily where a demon takes literal possession over you. It's where you let it in, and at points it will take control over your actions. But but there's still a lot of free will there. And most of the time, a possessed person, they can they can get out of it. But they're. But when you're under the grip of something so evil, it's really easy to spot um, sometimes. Uh, especially when you look at some cases, um, like some people, we have to decipher a few things here. Um, is is that just the way this person has been their whole life? There's, and and that's actually a very convoluted question. It's like one of the classical signs is, um. um obsession you know they get obsessed with especially the darker side of the occult they get obsessed with with the darker side of spirituality and um a a lot of isolation is involved a lot of times and the doctor says mentally they're good so there's a whole list of signs and symptoms that you have to go through but it's like a And this is why I think the Vatican is wise to have a long checklist of things to look for, you know, because it it does get complex in this way. And that's why I say an actual possession isn't very high. So. uh, Well,
2: one of the things that I've understood from uh, looking through a lot of those files and, and talking to some some exorcists, ex ones from that were excommunicated from the vatican mm-hmm. uh is that point and this is usually when we get like the horror movie stuff out of it but there's a point when there's a they call it the full integration and mm-hmm. that's the that's and of course as you're saying it does take years to get there it's a long process okay. and uh It's a long wearing down process, I gather. Mm -hmm. And that, but that full integration period seems very disturbing to me looking at the details I've read. And of course it, it seems like it's very rare. But one of the things I've noticed is it seems like it's, uh, there's an uptick in that currently.
1: Yeah, uh, the Vatican has been saying, I don't trust the Vatican on a lot of things, but when it comes to possession- does. (laughs) but but when it comes to to like possessions and stuff i actually like i will listen because well i mean what do they have to lose by mentioning talking about that you know what i mean um but when it comes yeah that's what they do is it has become more common and, and oh yeah another sign of possession is like when people can speak languages that they really don't know and it's just kind of weird when when you listen to them but uh in, in our culture yes uh, i agree there has been a bit of a spike i don't know if i'd call it all possession at this point but um, maybe some oppression which is totally different to and i would describe it as kind of like where the spirit where you listen to the spirit where you te- where you keep committing the sin and um and keep committing these things to kind of let them in And this is where I get really, really careful, because when I think about possession, when I think about uh, oppression and all of this, let's look at our culture that we live in, right? Uh, We live in a culture that doesn't see black and white, and that's okay, because there should be nuance. But however, when we place this on things like morality, good and bad, uh, or like good and evil, or... Uh even this idea of purity, that, that nothing is pure, like, uh, pureness is kind of like this, this morality, to a sense, with deeds and with, with actions, words and deeds, uh, and speech and all that. So when we really think about how society has evolved, it's become more materialistic. I mean, here, here's my view. And I don't think a lot of people are actually oppressed anymore or or any of that because, and it, and it can become common. Um, However, I don't think demons have to work that hard anymore, especially when the vast majority are um, materialists and uh, they don't see the spiritual side. So therefore it's nonsense or it's symbolic. and, and all of that so the work is already 75 percent done so why do they why would they have to oppress a person or why would they have to demonically possess most people you know especially with the worldview. you know if they can live through uh, a symbol if a person wants to believe that demons are just symbols you know or just um mental health the demons they don't have to do anything they don't have to convince anybody of anything the people are already convinced do you know what i mean so uh there's, well, that, there's let's
2: get into that for a minute robert what so there's always that talk right about people saying you have to believe in it for it to be real but i have i can i understand that sentiment and i think to 99 percent of the stuff that's out there. I think that's a big deal. I think that's a, a real deal that we create it. But I do think that there's a certain small percent of, of phenomena out there that is actually authentic to what we're talking about. That is real. These are external forces gaining control or entry through portals and in us in like parasites. And so I'm speaking to the, the 1% there, but how much how much of this is you have to believe it for it to be true versus it's true no matter what?
1: Um, it's a case by case thing. Um, but if we're looking at the big picture, if we just want to say belief can manifest things purely, uh, I and this is, where, this is where I'm going to disagree some. I, I do think that it can be fallacious. Um, like, like for example, I'm, if you know me, I'm terrible with analogies. So let's take a computer, right? When I look at a computer screen, and, and this is more for a Jerry, like when I, well, I'm just moving a mouse and I'm clicking through shit. But behind that computer, there's 00110011, there's a code behind there. But I'm not comprehending that code because I'm just looking at the surface. Now, if I want to, if I uh, don't want to believe that that code is there, even if I don't believe that that code is there, it's still there. I think that there are some truths that are black and white, you know, it's, um, and just because we avoid a certain truth, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You know, it's, uh, and that's where I think that some topics like such as the spiritual world and this is, once again, what, uh, where I agree with traditional astrology is, okay, planets have the power, but people don't ask why, you know? So so there's an underlying truth there that is not the planets themselves, but the intelligences of the planets through the world soul. And this is the same thing, people, like for people who, um, who say that you can... Belief stuff and it's real. You well, you you can say that. Um, however, there's just some topics to where we know that that applies and doesn't apply. Um, for example, um, there really is good and evil. I think I don't think it's just a human construct uh, because I mean we, for example, it even goes because this can go down to social dynamics which, you know, like we have a good idea of social order. Like we know it's bad to lie. We know it's bad to cheat. We know it's bad to steal, etc., because it's not good for the tribe. And it causes discord, you know? So I guess what I'm getting to is that we, to, I think to a certain extent, belief is really important, especially in magic. Uh, but, and you have to believe and something for it to work because the if we're talking about magic and spirituality, these entities, I don't think they're stupid, I don't think they're ignorant. Uh and some of these magicians, especially uh some of these magicians coming out that are following more of the traditional path, like for example, who don't believe in God, yet they're doing this whole prayer to God and calling this angel and and they're just reading it or memorizing it and saying it without the belief the angels could going to be like yo man you think i really want to come down and help you you think i'm really that stupid so i do think belief can Can have some effect in in that context but i think that there's a lot of context here and we can go on for hours with the power that belief has and where where applies and where it doesn't apply because i i do think like plato that there is a degree of truth here and when we look at plato he's talking about an objective truth a lot of time and he tries to reach that objective truth rather than a subjective truth because a subjective truth can change, but an objective truth is always going to be there. And you use your subjectivity to try to understand the objective truth. And um, like I said, um, I once again—I uh, don't think sometimes the human comprehension is infallible, but I do think that that we do have good judgment, and sometimes. We have a good idea of what's behind a veil, even if we put it put in our own human terms. So I think belief can go so far. But, you know, if I believe that it's Santa Claus putting presents under my tree, I can believe it's true, but it doesn't make it true. So uh, objectively, he's not there. You know what I mean? So that, that's where a lot of context is.
2: So when you're expelling in an exorcism, how do you go about that? It always seems really intense to me. And, and I am talking about the more, so once you've determined that that's what you're looking at and say it's not, I don't know the degree of what, what stuff you've been around. So um, I'm going to assume that Maybe not a full integrated one. Maybe these ones in the process of what, what's your process of casting them out?
1: Uh, that's interesting. Um, once again, I have my trunk full of stuff, but I, I always carry my priestly supplies with me. Um, that, that's the big thing. Uh, I always have a stole on me. Uh, once again, the crucifix and then actually what I prefer most of the time is like the standard exorcisms with the normal prayers, like the liturgy of the saints and all that, because it does work. And, um, and uh, mainly a whole set of prayers, um, uh, holy water. And even what's interesting is even communion works against demons too. So, uh, and it's a lot of prayer, a lot of hymns, um, and 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 once again, it's the the person is there while they're possessed, and and in this whole process, they are they're, they're the the priest is there, but the most important part is the is the person, like they have to know what brought that on, and they have to want that truly want that thing out and even though even when they're tired it takes a lot of willpower but yes like a lot of prayers hymns uh you bring certain tools with you and um it's very interesting uh yeah and it really all depends but yeah sorry it's not as detailed
2: Oh, no, nope, no problem. It's, I'd rather have your, you know, the way you're speaking the truth. So with all this, also, can you clarify for people what kind of priest you are out there? So I, I, I think everyone's just immediately assuming you may be a Catholic priest.
1: Uh, no, I'm an ISM priest, an independent sacramental priest, or at least an offshoot of it. Um, so there's apostolic succession going to both Peter and Thomas, and um, it's very interesting. I would say it's a, it's an offshoot of the ISM. I don't know, because it's not a part of, it, I guess you can say it's a part of the one today, in, in, in a sense, but it, it divorced the Catholic Church, like, way back in the high victorian era 1880s something like that and started its own independent thing so this is around the time when theosophy was around so the sect that i come from matched me well because it has the metaphysics in it uh it's more open-minded uh they actually accept people uh, women priests too i believe women can be priests and i know a lot of people and and a lot of Orthodox Christians. When I say Orthodox, I'm not, I don't mean the a re, uh, Orthodox Christianity, but I mean like traditional Christians, uh, especially Catholics, and and even I guess you could say Orthodox Christians hate that because and then the traditional movement too, um, because they say the Christ had nothing but. Uh, males for his apostles but at the same time you know we had paul who has the apostle uh, unia which is interesting so and unia is a greek name and there's been arguments no that the greek name although it's feminine it's an error or it's a guy with the girl's name or it's no it's actually a guy's name and that has caused and sparked a lot of scholarly debate but back on topic i have all these weird little side rants but um at heart ism is like a a looser version of the catholic church and and you'll see that it's i don't want to call it a reform because it's definitely not a reform uh but there are different branches of it
2: so when when we're looking at all this and where you are do you is there are there churches you know like buildings you know how the catholic church in particular has its different types of buildings basilicas and cathedrals etc
1: i haven't personally encountered some due to my location but uh, i went online and saw that there were some um uh, but that's as much as I can say on it. Yeah, I've, I've seen some, but I don't think it's as common because it's it's a minority in Christianity, especially with priesthoods and all of this. And and it gets pretty laughed at by both Protestants, Catholics, Orthodox and other people. But I think it's extremely valid, especially for something, you know, um, be, with a more open minded view and taking a look at different things once again uh you know i do think that it's valid and a lot of people will go to the apostolic succession and say okay you don't carry this faith of this part of our religion with your priesthood so therefore it's invalid and um that's why i disagree so so truth be said about the whole situation um yeah there are churches, but you'd have to find them online. I just haven't personally went into one.
2: It's well, and you know, Jesus was always talking about God's not in the church anyway. So, you know, that's a, a big factor when we're looking at the, the religious experience versus religion.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's interesting with the, with the way Jesus kind of viewed the temple. Like you can tell, he saw it as a holy site to to the Jews, obviously. But at the same time, it, it's just a weird observation. And once again, I don't want to spark any Bible debates or anything. There's so many different opinions. I don't want to say he was anti temple, but he see. I, I believe he was. Uh, an Essene and and on top of that an Essene priest you know and he maybe got divorced or expelled from the order because you never hear him talking crap about the Essenes and the Essenes they had um, pretty much like their own space that I, that they went to and did communion you know the, uh, if you read through the Dead Sea Scrolls the, they believe that they atone for the sins of uh israel and in their um well, i can't even think right now in their city or in their temple so they didn't even use the jerusalem temple but we know christ did the authority to speak at the jerusalem temple so um and he had to be close to 40 to even be called a rabbi so it's interesting with how he treats the temple and talks about it's fallen three days. And uh, I, I'm not going to lie, even today, it seems like, and, and apart from Christianity, like, temple worship for the Jews, like, um, they, they seem to focus more on the temple than they, than they do God, like, and then they want the temple back, even Christians want the temple back. But it seems like some people focus more on the temple than God itself and, or God himself, whatever. But um, it's rather interesting to me.
2: I think it's very telling because that when I, especially when I look at maybe the gospel of Thomas and stuff and looking at some of the stuff that I vibe with that comes from these other books. And I really, really like, the Gospel of Thomas, there, the focus on the temple and on buildings and all this is, I mean, I, I can't reconcile this. This is like the, uh, this, is, this is almost like anti, I, I get with, I get the differentiation that Jews have with Jesus as opposed to Christians. But I still can't get over the fact that it seems really surface level to be focusing on the temple rather than uh, the God head the 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 bigger God and that's what seems kind of strange to me it's it seems like modern day these big modern day Christian churches that are just like stadiums and you know it's There's a certain look to a lot of modern day Christians and there's a certain kind of cultish feeling that feels like it's not super deep for some reason. This is just my take. It's my take. And uh, I feel like the experience one has in seeking God, whatever that is for them, however they want to call that, whatever they want to language that is, has nothing to do with anything in the physical plane at all.
1: Oh, yeah, I can can see where that view comes from. Um, Yeah, when it comes to the temple, it's really interesting because early Christians, and if you know anything about Judaism, it's really interesting once you learn about Judaism and Shabbat and the feasts and everything, like, if you read, and, and the oldest, what's older than all the Gospels are the epistles of Paul, like, and it's nothing against the Gospel of Thomas, but that was written later. Like the original four Gospels are older, you know what I mean? So they have a more sound theology for the historicity at the time. But what's older than the four Gospels are the seven authentic epistles of Paul. And one thing I really enjoy about the seven authentic epistles is because I think it offers a more clear picture of what Christianity was like. So if you want to know what my Gospel is, it's the epistles of Paul. Like straight up. I would pick that over... Any other Christian work. But when we read his epistles, a church was pretty much at the house. And it was about the gathering of people in love. It didn't have to do anything with large, immaculate temples. It didn't have to do simply with, you know, um, beautiful statues, although. Most Jews would would object to statues and all of that, but I think it's really important that a a church is about the gathering of people in love, and today church is treated like entertainment. Yeah, and
2: a lot of pay to play with the church experience.
1: Yeah, it's a terrible thing, And, and, and I partially blame the tax system for that. And now I, I'm, I'm one of those people, I don't think churches should be taxed because, and, you know, because not every church is a mega church. Like you have a lot of smaller churches actually doing work in the communities, you know what I mean? And I don't think that the smaller churches should be, um, I don't know, I don't think that's that the smaller churches should suffer from the greed of the bigger churches. Does that make sense? Because there's so, oh, there's so small churches doing a wonderful job.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I don't want to blanket any of this. And I, I definitely don't. And I know there are people having religious ecstasis all the time. And that you can have it anywhere. That's my point though, mm. is that this is a this is a one-on-one experience with whatever it is you are deeming that that architect you know, energy, the Godhead, the uh, pleroma. Right? Is it the Pleroma?
1: Uh, I think so.
2: Yeah. And
1: I'm not an author, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's the Pleroma. And then there was like a, a a schism in the perfect math. And then it then there's like born the 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 false light god. And uh but anyway I think that I love beauty. And I love beautiful spaces and I will always love the Catholic ways because I'm I'm so inspired by how much beauty there is within the just I'm talking no religion here, I'm just talking beauty. Yeah. Beauty in architecture, beauty in textiles, beauty in layouts of mass. And you know, to me it's all such a visceral experience, but I don't have bad experiences to to lay out against that. So I get I get that. And if I were to have like, say, say I were some sort of a a priestess of something and I wanted to have a really great temple, you know, I mean, modeling after the Catholic model is awesome because you get a full environment. And I think that's important in a transcendental way. For me, it is. I like full immersion in an environment that can focus your will and everything into what that immersion is by coming into a space that is wholly focused and deeply immersed in the message.
1: Yeah, I can, I can certainly see that. And, and the way it's evolved, like the images in churches, um, especially some of the art came from the, the fact that people couldn't read, but they can look at pictures until the gospel. And I think that's really important. However, um, as much as I love the aesthetic and and, and the will and the focus, um, there's always a teaching from Christ that I always follow. And, you know, that if we want to be God-like, we must love other people like we love Christ, you know? We must be merciful to other people and love other people like we love God. And that's something that you won't find in a lot of churches. You won't find a lot of love in my experience. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of judging. I feel like, especially in the Catholic church, there's a lot of politics. I feel like that sometimes there's a political agenda. As much as I love even some of the older cathedrals, I find issue uh, that some, and sometimes I question if they're politicizing the artwork that they have, you know, which I think they have done historically speaking. Um, Like my personal experience is sometimes I'll run like a home temple or a home mass, you know? And there may not be statues or anything, but just experiencing people one-on-one with full love, experiencing and and, uh, having experienced that mass And even outside of Mass and just being with them, you know, getting to know them, getting to see what they like, what they don't like, what pisses them off, what doesn't. And getting to know the experiences, like that far exceeds any church experience. And that's what church is about. Church is about love and togetherness. Now, and that's something that an aesthetic, it can never replace. Like, for example, with my, although this isn't necessarily a church example, with my teacher who died a few years ago, um, I still miss him till this day. Um, His essence was pure. It was beautiful. He was a very wise man. And when I was a lost young man, uh, even though he is closed off and I was closed off, we were very good friends. And when you open your heart and try to love someone and they do the same thing to you, there's something there that you won't find anywhere else. And that's what original Christianity, especially during Paul's time, was about. was about loving your neighbor and also loving your enemies. You know? And yes, the aesthetics are good, but uh, what's... What's an aesthetic without love? Do you know what I mean?
2: Oh, yeah, I absolutely get that surface level. And I, I understand that. But when you've got a full immersion of something that encompasses aesthetic and uh, as well as there's substance there, then that's a beautiful thing for me. I want to get a little clarity on St. Paul. So or Paul, uh, you keep bringing him up and I he's come up a lot. I'm not going to say why, but he's come up a lot in my space in the last year. What makes him so special?
1: Oh, all sorts of stuff. I really love St. Paul. Um, I love him because he's really unfiltered, really unhindered in a lot of ways, very passionate, very fiery, and which, which is why most people love him, but it's, I love him for his nuance. Like, his nuance is absolutely beautiful. Um, actually, if you go through his uh, seven epistles, it's pretty much Judaism 101. Like, anybody who knows anything about Judaism, it, it's just rabbi commentary. <laughs> That's really what it is it's rabbi commentary. And if you read it like rabbi commentary, a lot of it starts to come together. Uh, I have two videos on my channel, Logo Uh We have, I think, one of them is Paul the Mystic, and um, I'm on there with Judith, and Judith um, was a student of theology at one of the best theology schools you could find in Germany, in Leipzig. You know, and um, Judith, Judith is
2: awesome. I'm gonna have her on my show eventually. <laughs> Got to oh, get yeah,
1: to it. Oh so cool. She's so smart. And um, she, she really does a good job in studying like Pauline scholars. And she pointed out stuff that I never even thought about, like um, about Paul. Now, Paul, we also have to say was a man of his time too. And once again, that is a 2000, the New Testament is a 2000 year old book. Now, Paul, um, I really like him. Because let's take out Acts. Acts was not written by Paul. It it was written by Luke. So let's just focus on his seven authentic uh, uh, writings or epistles. He even said that he he persecuted Christians in his own words. Actually, Paul is really important because he's proof that Christ walked the earth. Like all the Jesus mythicists, they can't debunk Paul. Because even a scholar worth their salt who studied said no this paul was a living guy and he said he knew the apostles who walked with yeshua like that's a really big deal like he has secondhand information just saying he knew the apostles who walked with christ that's his big thing you know and that's why i think he's his his seven authentic writings are really important um and, like, even during his time, the Trinity issue wasn't really an issue, you know. It was just that the Trinity wasn't really an issue until Origen pointed out. But back to St. Paul. Um, St. Paul is just really interesting because if you look at his mysticism or any of that, like, he literally says, the angels are our weapons. Like, they can break down walls. And, and I find Paul so mystifying. Because the Christianity today is nowhere near the Christianity of his time, which I kind of find saddening to a sense. Because in his seven authentic writings, they are so important to understanding what the Christian life was. I, I read the seven authentic writings sort of like a manual. You know, it's like Plotinus's Enneads in his own words you know, and we have Paul's own words in seven writings. And um, I, from a scholarship level, he's important. From a mysticism level, he's important. Like he mentions the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which scholars today struggle with, you know, Paul's church that he describes is something totally different than what the Catholic church goes into or the Orthodox church, like in terms. Of, of, of the seven gifts, you know? Like he never denied that the congregation could have gifts. Uh, Paul's a really deep, complex character. Like, like if you actually read in context, you'll find a grieving Jew who despises the law sometimes, then you'll find a, a proud Jew, which makes sense because uh, when I read a, his rabbinic commentary, it seems to me as a man suffering from trauma because he's getting attacked from like both Gentiles and Jews. And he's this really complex character. Um, like people try to paint Paul as one thing or another, but you can't paint him with a broad stroke. You actually see a struggle A, str- and I'm using rabbi, although dra- rabbis weren't necessarily, you know, a, a the word at the time but we, uh, i use the word rabbi we, we see a struggling rabbi dealing with his own inner issues as he confronts the world mixing with his issues and his Jew, jewish teachings like you'll find uh, the noahide laws which are for gentiles uh, for example just obeying the government you know because he even writes that that kings and tyrants hold the sword for a reason, for the sake of justice, and, um, which is controversial to most people. But if you go to the Noahide laws in Judaism uh, for Gentiles, you'll clearly see uh, where where that's mentioned. So I think the Noahide laws go, uh, go back even then, although they weren't called that, or maybe it was something else condensed down to the Noahide laws. But he was essentially, and rabbis will tell you this, he was making um, this Judaism accessible to everybody uh, without any barriers for conversion because Jews weren't against conversion at the time. And and probably, oddly, the biggest issue of his time wasn't just a politics. It was, are you Jewish, are you not Jewish? And and it was circumcision. So a lot of people conflate his uh Uh, view on circumcision to other issues when he's just talking about circumcision. So when he's talking about works, he's specifically talking about cutting the foreskin of a penis. He's not talking about religious deeds. He's talking about cutting the foreskin of a penis. It's not symbolic. Literally cutting a foreskin.
2: And sucking the penis, the blood, or whatever they do
1: yeah that's literally what he's talking about so a lot of people (laughs) find
2: that very strange
1: they they don't read paul in context and that's what bothers me and this is why i like pauline scholars is because they're like pauline scholars are like yeah y'all got it wrong here if we take his time and this he's talking about this you know what i mean
2: so just to wrap because we're getting on that two-hour mark i and we can keep this short but I can't help but bring this up since we are here in this discussion. So there are a lot of people that are viewing this as some birthing pains to Revelation and all that. What are your thoughts on that with how crazy the world is outside of us?
1: Um, could be, could it be, I don't know. Um, if, but I have looked into Revelation actually revelation almost never made it in the bible did you know that
2: yeah i did but nonetheless the times are extraordinary and i think everyone that's got eyes at sea uh can agree that these are extraordinary times this is a world event of Of strange things going on that we have not seen in our lifetimes period point blank and so we've got it from weather to animal die-offs to strange geological stuff to wars and rumors of wars and signs in the sky and all that stuff how do you see that i mean it looks very auspicious now i know everyone always thinks it's a revelation in their generation but if we look back historically this kind of madness across the world seems to be kind of uh, extra special right now.
1: Yeah, it is. But um, I stick with I don't know because even Christ himself said we won't know the time or the hour. So that that's but, a first rule of thumb. And and I tried to – this is where – I don't know if this is a gift or not, but I um, – Uh, Like, I I have this weird thing to where I can just disengage with something and just be distant for something and just say, I don't know, it's really strange. And this is one of those topics, like, even then, I find Revelation kind of sketchy within itself, uh, because it, it seems to be like a rewriting of another Old Testament book with the end of times you know well, so
2: we can take revelation out of the equation then and look at the craziness going on and say so for me personally and you know i'm not a christian uh but i actually really really love all the all i love old tomes and so i'm really enjoying the bible and all the other stuff from the dead sea scrolls and all this uh i can see clearly to me that something big is going down. And now if you ask me psychically, I know something big's going down. I've been talking about it for quite a long time and I've been doing play by plays as I see things happening, Mm -hmm. but I'm not putting a biblical edge on it, except for I am giving a nod to some of the stuff I notice. And I see that seems to play into Ragnarok and into the Christians, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, so end times doesn't mean end of people. It means a reset to me. And, uh, and then we're going through a revealing, which is coming into open rule and uh, whatever it is, is coming into open rule and we're getting that revealing is coming down and we're seeing what's what with that. So I'm, I actually acknowledge that this is a very auspicious time and that it's been a long time since we've had an auspicious time like this.
1: Oh yeah, I, I can say a point of view. Um, you know, when it comes to that, um, I, 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 and I know my reaction will probably confuse viewers, but, but the truth is this is probably just my army side is more practical um, for something that's way above my pay grade. And it's, and, and we have a saying when we're in the army, you know, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. And, uh, and this is one of those things. Uh, I, I don't know how far I can go into it. Like, especially a part of my disposition comes from coming from a Protestant family and specific, specifically Pentecostal to where, everything was turbulent times. And so uh, maybe that kind of ske- skews um, my point of view a little bit because uh, I've heard that my whole life and just yeah, saw. But your whole life, that. it
2: wasn't like this. This is my point. Well, this is my exact point. The Seventh-day Adventists are always every seven days the world's ending. And so, and every generation's been talking, you know, it was their time. And a hundred years ago, it was their time and all this. But what I'm saying, and in my lifespan, I haven't seen this kind of crazy. And this is a new kind of crazy. This is everyone. This is involving all, all the, all the people playing in the field right now. And so, unlike the Seventh Day Adventists that have been saying it forever, today is a different day. And same with the, uh, the Pentecostals and all, all these people that have bought into death cults and all that. Uh, this is different. And I think we should acknowledge that without having to give any credence to others that are always saying the sky is falling. Right now, it appears that the sky is changing, if not falling.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the last words in the Bible is, you know, the end of an age, and which was mistranslated to in the King James to the end of the world, but because the word was Ion, but in Greek, but at the end of the day, um, I, I see the changes. Um, once again, like, I don't know, um, like maybe for us, it's a thing, but I, I, I like to way everything else into stuff like the Spanish flu or, and, and the, you know, or TB, you know what I mean? Stuff that was going around and and i think that the modern world and i've thought somewhat about this like really what atrocities have we faced in the modern world you know what i mean in in third world countries like we haven't experienced a mount thera you know that that's making economies fall like it took down the egyptians you know but
2: but see that you've got to. you're using the one you're using like singular Samples. and i'm talking well, like everyone across the world right now is involved yeah. in this
1: well yeah and and, it, and it's been like that before with mount thera it made economies crash around around the world some places didn't see uh and i'm not trying to minimize what's going on but i'm just saying that the that there's been parts to where this has happened uh in the past too and even at worse levels you know um Plagues, natural disasters affecting everyone. It's uh,
2: but those were singular, is what I'm saying. A plague, yes, a plague was happening here and there, lots of those, and they would wipe out a lot of people in certain regions. But we are having major earth events, like major events all over the planet. We're having major die-offs. We have a whole world that is trying to lock its people down everywhere. Extreme. Look at Melbourne. Look at look at Canada. Look at your state where you are, it, and um, <laughs> look and at the- New York look at new york washington oregon california i mean we could go on and on and that's what i'm saying it's not it's a cumulative thing it's a lot of stuff happening at once it's not just a natural disaster that affected everyone it's not just one plague that affected everyone and and it's not just an economic situation that affected everyone now we are compounding layer upon layer of this and um not to beat a dead horse with this but you know the it's that whole eighth sphere that Skinner talked about as well, which I've become more schooled on as we move deeper into this.
1: Oh yeah, I could see that, you know, but like I said, I, my view is just slightly different on it, you know, because after Mount Thera came disease, tidal waves. And then some say it wasn't too long afterwards, there was an earthquake that pretty much destroyed a uh, good part of the uh, hittites at the time and i kind of view this and i agree that you know we're in terrible times but once again there's i guess there's that little voice in the back of my mind like in the modern world like what like what we have we suffered compared to to the multiple things going on back then you know you know what i mean and that's kind of how well, i take yeah, it yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how i address it like this is our 1666 uh black plague you know in london you know then came the fires and then everything else comes out of that and what happens when you don't have a sanitary city then you Yeah but the- it was
2: just london and that's my point yeah. it's it's it was these things have been localized and there's, you know, there's all the woo that we can get into in the digital area and the AI and all this, those, all these events historically were pretty localized, except for when we start talking about the big events, like the NOAA event, and, you know, by water and like that, then, you know, that is an event that affected allegedly the whole, the whole field, the whole earth field. So it's an interesting thing. But we are we are running late, and it's wait.
0: To... I had something I wanted to bring up. Before, oh, come on before. with it, Daddy. So, uh, <laughs> with all of the stuff that's going on, your time of revelations, everything made me think about Pluto return of the United States, which starts next year, which is only three months away.
2: <laughs> I know it's uh, the Pluto situation <laughs> that's <to> be true.
0: <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> So, I mean, it's it's all coming to a head, is the way I see it. And that's all I'm
2: with you, Jer. But that's exactly poignant. And that's the that's my bigger point here is that when we look at the 1666 stuff, it was very localized. I mean, I know it was devastating, but we're looking at the whole world right now. This is this is not localized anywhere. And so it's a big event, and we have we're having big, uh, emanations of this too and we're just going deeper in and and i guarantee when we get to february and we look back at this month we're not just like last year the world's not going to look the same and we're not going to have the same experience in the world as we did the year prior to here how we got here because nothing's been the same there's the new normal what the hell is that and back to normal jerry back to the new normal and
0: happening (laughs)
2: exactly so that's that's what i'm saying robert and that's all i'm saying but yeah, this yeah, has I been
0: agree.
2: this has been a really juicy fun evening with you because we talk demons jerry and i love that love demons. and in pop culture oh, and horror movies Jerry. I, just wanted,
0: I wanted to bring up one more thing <clears throat> when we're talking about demons and exorcisms there's a really good show on netflix called evil uh it's it's a cbs drama i think Think at CBS would you
2: break that down a little because I keep seeing that and I've not clicked on it to check it out
0: so the second season's almost over now but the uh the show the basics of the show is there's a woman who's a, a psychologist I think she's a psychologist is asked to consult with a local archdiocese on some uh, demonic intervention to determine if it's schizophrenia or mental illness or 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 actual demons, so she she joins a team with a skeptic who turns, who happens to be Muslim, and a, a a guy who's becoming a priest. So she and these two other guys go and do investigations of paranormal stuff to determine if it's actually demonic or not for the church. Ooh, this sounds juicy! It's like CSI meets supernatural kind of thing oh that's
1: awesome
2: yeah this sounds right up my alley it sounds very juicy robert you're gonna have to check that out too
1: i will like it's one of my dreams for like a director to say hey we need some occult information (laughs) 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 writing these shows so they're coherent and a real occultism i'm like okay i'm on it
0: (laughs) yeah but the show's called evil it's on i think it's on parent the second season was on the paramount network but the first season, I believe, is on Netflix still. So you can catch it there. Otherwise, you're on your own. I'm going to do that.
2: <laughs> How do people find you in the world, Robert?
1: Uh, pretty soon, just only through my YouTube channel. Um, yeah, I, uh, Logos of Ophiel. So, that, that's pretty much about it. Because here, starting December 21st, like, only social media is just going to be my youtube channel anyway because i'm just trying to live a more mundane life you know what i mean
2: yeah absolutely i and i admire that well it's been a great pleasure to have you on and i i loved it i hope everyone else did jerry it's always fun to Get down in the dirt with you, Daddy. But of course, <laughs>
0: and yeah, that show—that show—the first season still is on on Netflix. I'm going to check that out tonight. I will. I'll Twitter you a DM you a link. You go, uh, Perfect. Chat. I would like that. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. It's been really a pleasure. Very uh, thoughtful, deep conversation, which was excellent. And thanks again, Robert. It's been great to have you on again. And thank you everyone in the audience or the listening listeners that are in chat. I'm lost. I'm sorry. Doing three things at <laughs> once. It's the
2: Gatorade, Jerry. It's, it's the, the Gatorade. Gatorade. I
0: know it's the Gatorade. <laughs> this whole week's been crazy. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back uh, possibly next week, but probably in two weeks. And I'm not sure. We've got one or two people lined up So. That's all I got. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks again. You too. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.